Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the CFS Health Recovery Podcast. In today's episode, we sit down with our resident mindset coach, Gemma Hanley, where she shares her personal recovery story. I have been lucky enough to witness Gemma's recovery firsthand, and Gemma joined our recovery program almost over a decade ago. And I can tell you that at her worst, she thought she was dying. And it's just been so amazing to witness her journey of getting healthy, living again, choosing a new path and a new reality for her, and now giving back and literally helping thousands and thousands of people around the world through her mindset coaching. And so this is a really special interview. There might be a tear or two from me and even Gemma. Please sit back, relax, and hear this inspiring, thought-provoking interview of Gemma Hanley's recovery story. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this amazing recovery story with our actual mindset resident coach, Gemma Hanley. Hey, Gemma. Hello. Hey. Uh, In today's conversation, we're going to talk about your journey with chronic fatigue syndrome and freaking illness and the ups and downs of what you went through and where you're at now. It's been an unbelievable one, actually. And it's been some time. I've known you for, I think, almost a decade, close to 10 years. Uh, And I know your journey started before then, but yeah, I'd love to go back Mm -hmm. and just paint a picture for people. Obviously, right now, you're a mindset coach. You help people all around the world. You help people in our program every single week inside the program too. But let's go back to Gemma Hanley before she had chronic fatigue syndrome. And just in a minute or so, what were you doing? Who were you? (laughs) Mm. Oh my gosh, it's taken me right back and made me emotional. Yeah, the memory that just flashed up when you said it's probably been a decade since we've known each other. I can just so clearly remember sitting in the car out the front of my GP. I must have finally had a diagnosis of chronic fatigue to have been in touch with you. And we were on the phone and I was just bawling my eyes out because I had no idea what to do or what my way forward was. But Do you want to speak to that just for a second before we move into before? You're talking about the call that you had to enroll in the CFS Health Recovery Program, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm getting flashbacks. (laughs) I was talking to a young woman who was very distressed and really lost, but extremely distressed. Uh, And I remember that phone call vividly because I think you actually asked me the question, am I going to die? You were in such a bad way and your health was deteriorating especially physically and I remember saying am I going to get better from this I could feel you shaking through the phone just like I don't know what's going to happen and I had no idea that you'd just been to the GP I was just about to go in oh you're about to go into the doctors yeah and so you're having this call Mm. to join the program and you know I remember reassuring and just saying you're not going to die I know you might feel like it right now and a lot of people do experience that feeling of like what's happening but it was such a long journey that you went on And there were so many layers to it, but just to paint a picture right now for people who are listening, you know, they're listening to a healthy, vibrant woman who is living her life with direction and intention and inspiration. But, you know, at that point, 
almost 10 years ago, you were in a really bad way. That phone call was crazy because I remember how distressed you were. And yeah, it's so cool now to see you years on just healthy and living again and doing so many different things compared to what you were doing before you got sick in the first place. So yeah, if we can go back just briefly before that, what were you doing? Yeah, lots of different things. So I don't remember a time where I ever felt well. The diagnosis of chronic fatigue for me almost felt like relief because there'd been probably at least 10 years of just bouncing around with this massive long list of of all these different symptoms of chronic illness and disease in the body and no answers and money just going out. (laughs) How much Um, do you reckon you spent all up on your health uh, over the years? I know for a fact it's more than $50,000, but I would say easily close to six figures. Crazy. And Mm. this is common. So many people are on that merry-go-round. So disheartening Mm. and frustrating. I'd never felt well and it was a slow decline over the years. And so part of what was contributing to that was I was showing up in the world as this woman that believed... It was weak and unintelligent to feel emotions. And the better I was at pushing all of that down, the more stronger, more intelligent, more successful, more lovable, more desirable I was. Because if I had (laughs) needs or emotions, I was inconvenient and too much, basically. Part of the patterns I developed around that as well was just so much striving so much overachieving, so much perfectionism, goalposts that were always moving. I would go as far as to say almost a complete absence of self-recognition or self-celebration. And I was doing incredible things. In high school, (laughs) after school would finish, I would walk to the library and study for two or three hours after school, not because I was told to do that. That's just what I did. And then I can remember during my exam period in year 12, all of the walls were just covered with A4 permanent marker notes because I was very visual. And then I got the enter I needed, which is like the score in Victoria. So in Australia, we have a score out of 100. It's different to England and Europe. So what did you get out of 100? Was it like 90 plus? I can tell you exactly what I got. I got 85.25. That's like top 5%, I think. It's a hard score to get. If you get above 75, you're pretty damn happy. You know what I mean? Above 80, you're like super smart. I'm not going to tell you my inter score. (laughs) 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 When I had chronic fatigue syndrome, I could barely go to school. My goal was to get to school one hour a day. I was so lucky I had great parents, but our goal was just to pass VCE. Mm -hmm. The craziest thing, I passed by one point. Actually, I think it's a damn good effort, the fact that I studied one hour for the entire year because that's all the energy and focus I could Mm -hmm. do at the time. And I got 34 or 33.3%. And I think the fail line is Mm -hmm. 30%. And when we got the paper, I remember we, I went home and I literally celebrated. I was like high-fiving my parents, jumping up and down, hugging because coming from how sick I was, the fact that I was able to get through VC was huge. I think it's just so important that that story is out there because look at where you are now as well. Society can project to us what has to happen for us to be successful and get to where we want to go. Totally. And I'm so grateful, actually, because obviously we work with a lot of kids and a lot of high achieving kids like you were as well. Mm. And 
I always say to because they all worry about VCE. They're all like, oh my God, I need to get the right underscore. And I say, listen, you can do anything you want. You don't need the underscore that you think you need. I know guys who failed school and then did the back way to get back into law at university. It just took a couple of years longer, you know, and I actually failed English. This is hilarious. My Japanese exchange student at the time, Yuya, who's actually <laughs> now works for our company, which is pretty cool. He got a better English score than I did. And English was his second language. <laughs> but here's the coolest part about this. 10 years later, I wrote a book and I got published and it sold thousands of copies all around the world. And that's why I say to people, just because mm -hmm. you failed something, it doesn't mean you're going to fail at life. This is where passion comes in and interests and hobbies and things that you genuinely care about. Things will help you shine through. And just to add one last piece to that, I got the enter. I went to uni. I acquired a hex debt. And I don't even work in that field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the picture of success to me. There's nothing wrong with it either. But, you know, in hindsight, probably would have chosen differently. So, yeah, went to uni, studied, did the double degree for three years and then realised this is just going to destroy me. This is so dry. This is not for me, law in particular. Mm. And so I ended up shifting all of my law units into my business degree and I finished that up and then I went and studied real estate and then I sold residential property for a little bit. Mm. And then as my health declined more, I then took on a role working as an executive assistant for business owners and CEOs in the construction industry. And that was the last role that I had before I realised this health thing cannot be skipped over. I cannot keep looking at it as this thing that is just in the way of my goals and dreams. Mm. And my body was shutting down and giving me no choice. I was blacking out from panic attacks. I was so depressed. And physically, I would get to the top of the stairs at the office at work and I wouldn't know if I was going to make it through the morning, let alone the day. I was just so mm. exhausted and so fatigued. Wow. Mm. Like your body was just trying to tell you this isn't your path. A big part of my philosophy is the body is just speaking to us. It doesn't have the English language, so it's using emotions and symptoms. And the enormous lesson and initiation into life that I got was my health is the way it is showing me the way it is asking me to be more of myself and less of all of these projections or stories or societal standards, materialistic visions of life that if I check internally, they're not mine and they don't ring true for me. Wow. This is powerful because I have a lot of conversations with corporate people or people in corporate. I've got friends who love corporate and they're in it and that suits them so good. And then mm -hmm. I speak to other people who reach out to me, obviously, and need help. And the common thing is, well, I was told I should do this. My parents said, I have to go to university. Mm -hmm. I have to get this good job and be a doctor. I have to be a lawyer to be successful. And it doesn't light them up and it can cause problems. So what happened? The last job you had, you were an executive assistant. You were still in corporate. You're working hard. You're getting sicker and sicker and... Yeah, I guess it sounds like it came to that uh, holding point of something needs to change. 
when did you realize mm. that it, it was possibly chronic fatigue syndrome? Was it an exclusion of other diagnosis to get to the point of realizing that chronic fatigue syndrome was what it was? Yeah. My boyfriend at the time, I was sitting by the pool at his family beach house and one of his aunties was there and I was too tired to go out and do all the fun things that him and all of his friends and sisters were doing. And I started chatting to this lady and I think she takes blood in the clinics at a GP office. And I think she might've worked at that GP office that I was out the front of when I was speaking to you on the phone. And she was just talking to me and oh gosh, it's coming back to me now. So two things. One thing is she was like, you need to put your health history in a document because you're seeing all of these specialists that don't have the full picture or aren't able to help you, but also you're having to regurgitate everything every time. And that's exhausting in and of itself. So that was the first tip she gave me. And then she knew that because she'd asked me what's going on for you. And I was like, well, this, and then this, and then this, I have issues with my gut and my heart and hormones and fatigue and brain fog and muscle aches and headaches and insomnia and anxiety and depression and just the longest list. And she said to me, have you heard of chronic fatigue? It sounds like you have that. And I can remember someone at work telling me about a family member. This would have been over like the Christmas break. So we're on holidays. But before that had told me about a family member that had chronic fatigue and couldn't get up from bed and go to the bathroom. And I was just like, come on, give me a break. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a thing. (laughs) So It's an interesting one because I haven't met many people that didn't know what chronic fatigue was or didn't know someone. I didn't know anyone who'd had it. And so she said to me, I want you to go and see this GP, which was why I was booked in there to go and see her. And then in addition to that, I just started doing some research online. And I can remember in my worst ever crash, I was just up the entire night. I couldn't sleep. I'd barely eaten or drunk anything for days. So exhausted, but could not fall asleep. I was sitting on the couch, just Googling. And I must've typed in like the hashtag chronic fatigue on Instagram. And that's how I found you. And then maybe I found some more resources, but that was really my in to understanding what might've been going on. And hence why I was excited when I got the diagnosis, not from an identity perspective, more from a like, oh my gosh, finally, I know what I'm working with. You took a pretty big hit. You went from full work mode. You were the identity of what you thought success was, but totally loathing it at the same time and exhausted and in pain and Mm. horrendous gut problems and sleep problems and anxiety and depression. What was the most challenging thing initially about chronic fatigue syndrome? Was it the symptoms? Mm. Was it the unknown? Was it the identity or the loss of identity of going from corporate? Yeah, you're taking me back. (laughs) One of the reasons I'm laughing, I can remember sitting on the couch in front of you in a coaching session back when the clinic was in Melbourne and you saying to me... (laughs) You're quite high functioning though. And me just thinking I am such a facade because I just felt like I was none of that. And I just entered the program and was just getting an understanding of the principles, which is leading into my answer. That was a really actually important moment for me to have you reflect that back to me and it not be what I was feeling inside. Yeah. And so acceptance was huge. 
so much acceptance and it was a loss of identity because mm. I was living independently. I was living this corporate lifestyle. I was living in an apartment in my favorite suburb and I felt like I was building a life and acquiring status and moving in this certain direction. And all of a sudden I was faced with this very clean, clear decision. Do you want to feel well? Or do you want to keep pushing down this path that is not feeling high functioning whatsoever? If this is the existence of life, I really don't know that I want it. But the health option for me, what part of that looked like was, yeah, okay, you're not going to be able to work, which means you're going to be financially dependent on someone or something else. You can't live independently anymore either. I can remember that night that I was telling you about, I was literally crawling on the ground to get to the kitchen to just get some food because I knew that's what my body needed, even though the thought of eating also had me feeling like I was just going to be sick. And acceptance was a huge piece of that. I was going to the farmer's markets every weekend. I was going to yoga a lot. I had definitely started opening to some of these ways of life as well. But for the most part, I could no longer do the things that had lit me up inside or that I thought were important to me. And a big part of that is I actually had to make the decision to move overseas to China and live with my dad because he was able to care for me and financially support me. And that meant the relationship I was in just couldn't coexist with that choice letting go of my location, letting go of my job, but also my dad and I didn't have much of a relationship at all. Before Mm -hmm. that, we might've spoken a couple of times a year, very shortly, and maybe seen each other once a year. But I also, again, in my heart of hearts, I knew that that relationship and healing that was going to be a really big part of my recovery as well. Wow. I think acceptance and loss of identity go hand in hand or loss of identity and acceptance go hand in hand. And I think it's mm-hmm. so hard to get to that point of acceptance for so many people because they're still holding on to the past identity that once was to what is isn't now. And I feel that the mm-hmm. gap, if you want to close that gap, you kind of need to bring the two together and accept what is going on so you can move forwards. And you did that greatly when you joined the program. I remember you weren't half-assed and that's not surprising with the person that you are. You just took it by the horns and you're like, all right, what have I got to do? And one of the things I remember through our coaching sessions, you let go of a relationship because it just wasn't serving you. You moved to China, which was extremely difficult. You didn't have a relationship with your dad. And then thirdly, you really had to build up from ground zero again which for me excites me because I know from zero, there's a lot of potential. I've seen so many sick, sick, sick patients in my time with working with all these people over the last decade. And the lower capacity you are means the more potential you have for improvement because zero is the lowest standing point and then a hundred's full potential. So it used to excite Mm -hmm. me when I'd see people like you come in the door and I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Let's start where you're at and we'll build up because there is so much potential for you ahead of time. And it's Mm -hmm. hard for you in the moment because you're like, how? But you just put one foot in front of the other and you do the right things over time. Tell us three things you worked on at the start of your recovery when you're in such a low capacity state. So one of the first things and this is probably an important piece that I didn't share too, was I actually went even further backwards after I let go of all of those things to the point where 
I don't think I had days where I couldn't get out of bed eventually and move to the couch, but I definitely couldn't leave the house. Mm. And on the days where I could leave the house to begin with, I was in a wheelchair and dad would be pushing me. And some days, even just the stimulation of a bumpy path or being beside a road that was too noisy was too much. And so one of the things that I worked on was really just being so open as well as accepting where I was at to trying things that felt scary as well. So I don't know if I can go and sit on the couch today, or I don't know if I can go out in the wheelchair today, but being okay with finding out because (laughs) not doing it meant that nothing was going to change. And another thing that was huge for me around this, I can remember in China, shopping for food is very different. And there was like a big <laughs> store that I guess you could liken to Costco maybe. Yes. And my dad used to be pushing me in the wheelchair and pushing the grocery trolley at the same time. And it was a day where it would have been really easy for me to just be like, no, you go do it. I'll be here. I just have to rest. And I can still <laughs> He pulled a plastic bag to put some lemons in <laughs> and there was a hole in the bottom of the bag and the lemons just kept coming out. And I was watching him just looking so confused, but I could see exactly what was going on. Yeah. And then there was another moment where we came back up from the car and we'd come out of the lift and he had me in the wheelchair at the top of the stairs and he turned around to open the door and I just go... And pretended that the wheelchair was going down the stairs and that it rolled and he turned around and was freaking out and then we laughed about it so like moments that in the thick of how hard life is I was so depressed and so anxious but just participating with what was available to feel like joy or what was available to move the needle forward, even just the smallest percentage. Yeah. I bang on nonstop about a curious mindset because the conclusive mindset here would be like, there's nothing I can do. Nothing's changing. All I can do is lay here and rest. Um, Whereas the curious is okay. Well, when could this start to look different or how could this start to look different and what can I ask for to support me in that process? So that would be one thing. Something else at those very, very early stages was allowing myself to stabilise. And so really learning how to receive rest, how to receive help, how to receive support, how to be the learner, how to not even be in comfort with not doing or achieving with that as my identity, but to sit in the discomfort of that was really, really important. And then a third thing I would say is I always started my day with content that was aligned with where I wanted to go. So in those earlier stages, I would listen to or watch a TED talk every single morning. I made like this big colorful vision board that was in my room. I had a whiteboard in my room that had quotes that were relevant for me at that time or mantras that would bring me back into what I was focusing on and hold me accountable to who I said I wanted to be becoming more of. That was really huge for me too, because I was spending a lot of time resting and in bed and I could have either been looking at the ceiling or a screen, or I could look at that content. And that's what I chose to do. Exactly. Choice. 
choice, 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 choice. And you were really deconditioned back then. People who are listening probably don't realize how deconditioned you were. So mm-hmm. it was certainly a holistic approach on everything. It wasn't just one thing. Gemma, you wrote an amazing post to all our members in our exclusive group the other month. And I reshared it recently because it was so powerful. And it says this, patience is the fast route. Every time you rush or race to be ahead, you actually slow the entire process down. The more patient I am, the faster I see my results. And I love Mm. that. Can you tell us why do you think that is? Why do you think patience is the faster? Every time you rush or race ahead, you actually slow the entire process down. Yeah. It's just such a relevant statement, even for you and I sitting here. When we're anything other than the patience, and patience doesn't have to mean slow, by the way. It's more of that acceptance. It's more of that being in touch with the facts of reality of what is happening. And the opposite of that is a false narrative. It's trying to control things, manipulate things, saying they should be different to what they are. Mm. And when we're telling the story, this shouldn't be happening, this shouldn't be this hard, it should be different from what it is, we're missing the lessons that life or whatever it is that you believe in, whether it's God, universe, source, spirit, missing the exact lessons we need to journey through to get exactly what it is that we want. Also, it's making your current reality harder. It hasn't happened yet. Why isn't it happening? It's making your current reality just so much harder. And what a great saying. Patience is the fast route. Every time you rush or race ahead, you actually slow the entire process down. And I feel like you had that throughout the entire journey at CFS Health in the program. You nailed that straight away. I didn't have to coach you on that one bit. Maybe it took a few months to click, but you never had to have a coaching session for me to say, Gemma, come on, you got to be more patient. Like you would remind yourself to stay on track. And I truly mm-hmm. believe that that's what helped you move forwards over time was this, you never got stuck. Yes, there were stuck moments, which you got help and support with, but you were never going to be stuck for years and years and years on end in the same cycle because you were just like, well, it's going to take as long as it's going to take. I'm just going to show up and do whatever's necessary for me to get there. Yeah. One of the things that I held throughout recovery too was I could be back feeling healthy and vibrant in three months and it could take longer than that too. So I was very open. It wasn't like I was closed and invested in this having to be this long journey. It was like, this could be right around the corner. And if it takes a bit longer than that, that's totally okay too. Because this is like a blip in my lifespan. Yes. I love that. I love that because so many people do preset the tone that it's going to take a long time. And we're going to be very careful what narrative we're believing here. Because if you believe it's going to take a long time, and we see this when people join our program, well, it's going to take five years or it's going to take a long time. It's going to take as long as it took for me to get ill. Well, already you're presetting the stage of what the reality will be. And you're making it way harder. I love the idea that you said it's just open. It could be three months, you know, or it could be longer. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It's still going to show up regardless. And I think that's why we have such a big emphasis on not putting time on your recovery. It's important. I think in all aspects of life, recovery and beyond, it's one of the things that can hold us back the most and restrict us the most. Yeah, because you're kind of just beating yourself up every time you're not where you want to be. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Believing you're wrong or life is wrong. Life is wrong. Yeah. One of our members said the other day she's recovered now and she did a success story. Kathy Kniff, her husband came on the call and said, you can't eat a elephant in one bite. You know, the way to eat an elephant is just one bite at a time. And that's really what she did. And I was like, oh, that's so good. So true. And I feel like that's what you did too. Everything, your nutrition. I know you went on a massive gut health journey to focus on healing your gut your mindset, everything, movement, reconditioning your body. Yeah. And one of the things I can reflect back as I'm listening to you say that is I didn't try and do it all at once. I just let my body show me and reveal to me what's the first piece that is in the highest state of crisis that I can love on and respond to first. Because some of the things I did in later stages of recovery in no way would have been possible for me at the start and would have actually caused me and my body more stress and disharmony and dysfunction if I tried to do all of those things. Yes, yes, amazing. And I think that is just so spot on. You don't need to freaking do everything. Even in the program, I mean, it's way more comprehensive than what it was when you joined the program early 2000s. <laughs> so, so old. So yeah, so 90s. We're 3.0 now, so we've upgraded hugely and you're a huge component of the program as well, which is really cool in and of itself if you think about it. Mm. You've got your own mindset, lesson sessions in there for everyone who benefited majorly from it, whether it's dealing with hard emotions or reframing negative thoughts or the patience game or just getting unstuck on a coaching call. There's so many blockages where we just get in our own way. And I love that saying, the problem's not usually the problem. We think in our minds, oh, this is it. I just need to fix this. And it's like, well, is it actually the problem? <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. What would you say for you? I know it was back in the heyday. What were the three most helpful things in the program that you got? I know you utilize the community a lot. You did lots of coaching mm -hmm. calls. But for you, what were the top three things that helped you with your recovery? Easily nailing the baseline. And not just at any one time, just deeply, deeply, deeply understanding that philosophy and that concept, because that could then be picked up and moved around in all different stages of recovery. Definitely the community, knowing that I wasn't in it alone, knowing that I wasn't going crazy, being able to see people ahead of me, but then also being able to see people that were at earlier stages where I used to be that would reflect back to me, maybe pieces that I'd forgotten in terms of how far I'd come as well. And I have a number of really beautiful relationships in my life still today. That's been really beautiful. And then <laughs> for me, one of the biggest things too has been this opportunity to give back and contribute and be part of the team that continues to help others that are really, really struggling. And where I started, I was just so lost. I had no idea. And what the program gave me personally was the map. I don't even want to think about where I would have been or where I would even be now if I hadn't have had that map. Because you don't have the cognitive function or the ability to strategically research and problem solve and do all of those things. So to have that packaged up, and this is another huge part, especially with living with my dad, a resource for people that genuinely are interested in supporting you to be like, just watch this. My sister watched with me. My dad watched with me. Wow. I didn't know that. Mm. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh god it's so nice that you had people in your life that cared about it enough to watch some videos and what a weight off your shoulders to not have to explain anything anymore you just get on with it and show some resources to the people that support you yeah and so I just want to add for anybody listening to this to just completely clarify I did not have perfect, amazing relationships with my family. No, it was actually the opposite from memory. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so it wasn't easy for me to have that happening, but I continued to open to what would it look like for me to be able to ask for these things, for me to be able to have these things without an expectation or just in the capacity it's able to be given. I just think it's very easy for a lot of us to hear somebody else's story. And it's fair, right? Because this conversation might be an hour long or something. Instagram at most is a 90 second reel. You're not getting the full picture. So it is fair that you draw your own lines and are making assumptions without realizing it. But yeah, it was not as simple as me immediately having these perfect, supportive, understanding family members immediately around me. Nope. It was the opposite. We did coaching sessions on that. I remember vividly, we did some real breakthrough sessions just Mm -hmm. on that alone. And I'm so glad you raised that because this is a 40 minute interview, maybe roughly there's 40 hours worth of stuff we could be talking about. And this is why it's so frustrating when someone sends that's a message or writes in our free Facebook group, like, how do I do this? I'll do my best to answer it if I can. And we also have five hours of training just on this one topic you're asking about. So it's very mm-hmm. hard to give you a 30 second comment answer mm-hmm. than you actually doing the work and getting the right help. Gemma, before we wrap up, why mindset? Why did you choose mindset as a vocation and a career after you got better? Even before I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, but I had all of these health issues. I'd already started moving towards the alternative health space. And I mentioned before I was going to farmer's markets and yoga, and that was my first few steps into that. And I just became so obsessed with nutrition, like the actual science and bioavailability and all of that side of food. And I thought for sure I'd be a nutritionist or a naturopath. And they were the courses I was researching I remember. I was in the program. Yep. You were asking yeah, me questions. Toby, board. which nutrition coaching program should I choose? Yeah. One of the reasons why mindset is emotional well-being, emotional pain. My inner world, my nervous system was by far the hardest part of my recovery and what felt like the most impossible suicidal thoughts, blacking out from panic attacks, just so much noise in my head. And one of the hardest things in recovery for me was the guilt. So the guilt I felt that these other people in my life weren't having to support me or having to compromise or having to make changes to accommodate me and my needs because I was dependent. It was the most profound and impactful part of my recovery And then when I started researching and I did my first training, I went into that training thinking, (laughs) I'm not anxious anymore. I'm not depressed anymore. So there mustn't be much more for me to learn. And I was just blown away. And I'm just obsessed with human psychology, behavioral patterns, motivations behind choices. Um, It just intrigues me to no end. So 
that's why because there's this insatiable curiosity in that space and so even when I'm not working I'm curious about it and interested in it yeah and it's a lifelong thing I think we can get into this pigeonhole of like all right once I'm motivated I'm sorted or like you said once I don't have anxiety (laughs) and depression anymore I'm sorted and it's like you find out that life continues and stuff comes up all the time that you need to work on and deal with but yeah you do such an incredible job at Cephas Health and outside as well. And I'm so glad you finally chose your path. Yeah. Feels like different lifetimes to the point that I just don't even know that person anymore. I can't identify with her and I can't even remember this has been a really powerful conversation because it's taken me back into those memories and I just get to feel so certain and so sure of who I am and what I need and what I want and that all of that's possible. It's been Mm. incredible. Best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, that's right. And it's so special just to witness this today. Obviously, I see it all the time now with you, but yeah, it's just cool to hear your backstory and it sounds like you didn't really choose that first path and it wasn't where you really truly want to go and it's just so cool to see you choose this path for you and it feels so good and I think that's just so perfect and empowering. And I want you to leave some wisdom for everyone today with their mindset. The first thing is there's lots of people who are either just in the program now, they've just joined and they've still got uncertainty and they're still questioning like, is it going to work? Is it going to happen? And then there's lots of people who really want to enroll in our program. They've been watching Mm -hmm. for 10 years. Some people they've just found us yesterday and they're like, oh, maybe I should do the program. Maybe I shouldn't. What would you say to those people who are wondering about enrolling in the program? Mm. I would ask the question, what would it look like or what would it be like to trust yourself? I still to this day make big investments in my personal development and my growth. And one of the things that I ask myself is how expensive is it for me? And I'm not just talking about money here. Like how expensive is it for me? What are all the costs? What are all the things I will not access and I will not be able to have if I choose to keep doing things the way that I've always done them? And to speak into that feeling of, gosh, is this going to happen for me? Is this possible for me? Why isn't this working? I thought I'd be further along by now. That is so normal and so common. Every time I, to this day, still step out of my comfort zone and intentionally go to another level and put myself in a domain of something I haven't achieved before, I will have those questions and those thoughts because my nervous system and my neurology does not yet have the evidence and the imprint that that's possible for me. I wouldn't be outside of my comfort zone if I knew it was possible. Also a little invitation to relax into, and this comes back to patients being the fast route, acceptance, trusting, not needing to know. Can you trust the process and can you allow it to unfold? It's very challenging and was very challenging for me back at the start when my sense of safety and certainty and security came from me controlling everything, micromanaging everything, gripping everything, (laughs) which was the exact thing that was creating the illness in the first place. No truer words. 
no truer words and it's funny i just got off a game plan call with a member who's been with us for more than six months and i said what's your biggest win since you joined the program she goes i don't need to know all the answers anymore yeah that is so liberating there's a bunch of people on the call and we were all just celebrating for her and you could feel it and (laughs) and she she actually shared openly with everyone because it was so powerful that she shared how she got to that place and she was so empowered and I was like, wow, look how far you've come from this person who was so stressed out, gripping on to any answer and control that you had. Now you don't even care. It's like, yeah, I'm doing recovery. I'm doing me. I'm getting better. And I don't need to know all the answers. I'm just going to focus on the next step. And she was so chill and healthy because of that, mm-hmm. that it was just really cool to see viscerally in the moment. But I absolutely do love mm-hmm. that. And I love that question. What's the cost? Um, It's something that I was talking to a friend about the other day. What's the cost physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, and financially if you stay where you're at? And I'm not just talking about chronic fatigue syndrome recovery. I'm talking about life too. There's going to be decisions Mm -hmm. that you're going to have to make to invest in people, things, places. Sometimes it's coaches, programs that are going to help you get to where you want to get to. But what's the cost if you don't do it? Because I love the fact that you said that, that we all have doubt. I love the saying new level, new devil. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that is going to move us forward in a significant way is going to feel scary. Totally. Otherwise we'd be already there. And thanks for sharing that. Just lastly, just for anyone suffering, big or small, young or old, What's just your one bit of wisdom? I know you do coaching calls every month and there's literally hundreds of hours worth of content from you in our program. So it's hard to nail it down in a minute or two, but just now for you, what's one bit of advice or wisdom you'd like to share with everyone before we wrap up today's call? Yeah, two questions. And these are my favorite and I still use these every single day. Ask yourself, what do I need right now? Not what do I have to do, not what should I do, not what needs to be done, not what do other people need from me. What do I need right now? And then ask yourself, how can I give that to myself today? Even if it's just a snippet of it. So maybe you feel like you need to go and just have half a day where you can just chill out and lay in nature or lay in bed and chill out, right? But the reality is you've got 10 minutes. Give yourself the 10 minutes. And when the resistance to giving yourself what you need comes up, get curious about that because that is only revealing to you where the most potent and powerful healing can take place. So what do I need right now? How can I give that to myself today? And then if resistance comes up, be curious about that resistance and see where is that place of resistance coming from within you that maybe you could resolve or overcome. Brilliant. Expect nothing less from you, Gemma. Always really gold information. And just a disclaimer for anyone listening, what Gemma shared today is literally a snippet of what could be shared over a 30-hour interview. I've witnessed Gemma's recovery as she went through the program many years ago, but we also are aware that we want to keep these short and punchy for everyone so they can listen and break it down. Thank you all for listening, Gemma. Thanks for being amazing. Thanks for choosing you all those years ago. And it's just so awesome just to see you evolving and sharing and doing what you're doing. It's just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thanks for creating a platform for the story.
My pleasure. It's well received. Thanks everyone for mm -hmm. listening and uh, we'll see you soon. Au revoir. Hey, I hope this video was really helpful for you. If you haven't already, please hit the like button and feel free to leave a comment. What was your takeaway, your insight from today's video? It's really helpful to actually write your learnings down. We seem to embed it better and it seems to help us move forwards with life. Here are three ways we can help you right now whenever you're ready. The first way is make sure you add yourself into our free information recovery group on Facebook. We'll leave a link in the description below. It's a really supportive, encouraging place. There's no negative venting. You can ask questions to other people. There's something like seven, 8,000 people in there right now. And I'm sure by the time you're watching this video, there's even more. So go over there right now. We share success stories. We share our latest free trainings that come to the public. And we always share upcoming information about upgrades inside our program. And also when we offer free webinars or free information nights that can further help you with your own recovery. The second way we can help you, which is one of my favorite is through all our free trainings. We're going to leave a link in the description with our favorite free trainings that we know can help you start your recovery, whether that's through our baseline training, which will help you stop pushing and crashing our three stages of recovery to figure out exactly where you're at and know what to do next. Or my favorite, which is our guest panel workshop, which was actually exclusive for our members. It was so damn good that I actually asked them, can we share this to the public? They all said yes, all five of them. So thank you past members. They share their five recovery secrets and it's really powerful. There's tears, there's aha moments, there's real key insight and inspiration. And so whether you're a one out of 10 and you're really struggling right now, or whether you're further along in your recovery journey and you're integrating back into life, we have you covered. The third way we can help you is through our actual paid online recovery program, the mentorship recovery program. And if you are interested in getting proper help, a holistic comprehensive plan, professional coaching from the best coaches in the world, whether that's with mindset, movement, nutrition, restorative movement, reconditioning, integrating back into life, integrative medicine, baseline structure, routine, accountability, all things health and life. Feel free to apply for the program today. All you need to do is click on the form, cfshealth.com form, fill out the short two to three minute form application and the team will be in touch with all the details that you need to know about the program via email. So make sure you check your spam folder for all the free trainings. If you've sent through an application, please be patient. My team are real people, okay? They're not robots. So if we don't get back to you within seconds or hours, it's okay. <laughs> we will get back to you. If you don't hear from the team within two to three days, that means that it's basically gone to spam or junk and it's gone missing. So please send a follow-up email to the team at info at cfshealth.com. If you have any questions, go check it out. But I would highly recommend adding yourself into the free group right now. Go click on that link in the description. Go download all the free trainings. Honestly, the whole reason why this whole thing started is because when I went through this myself, it was so painful and so excruciating that I didn't want anyone else to have to go through it. And 
some of these free trainings are so damn valuable back then i would have paid thousands of dollars for we've had so many comments and emails and posts saying oh my god the baseline training was a game changer for me toby i've been doing this now for three months and i'm feeling so much better my symptoms are decreasing i've got more stamina i've got more energy i'm able to do more things so you know whether you're learning from us and consuming our content through our free format i'm so stoked whether that's in our paid program i don't really care either way all i want to make sure is that you are moving forwards you are starting to really implement this work and that's really what it's all about once we implement we make change and we start to move forwards sending you a ton of love of course feel free to consume as much of the youtube videos as you like there's so many really really great ones new and old sending you a ton of love and uh, speak to you very very soon all the best for now